Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is the Gospel of Christ. Thank you, Margaret. Uh, We are in Matthew's Gospel this week. Next week, uh, we'll have Wally Bean preaching, uh, a one-off sermon. And then the following week, we'll hear from Neil Dunbar also doing a a one-off. And then the week after that, we're going to be starting a new series in the book of Ezra. So we look forward to all those things over the coming weeks. But today, you're stuck with me. Uh, Why don't we open up our time together in prayer? Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, for these words uh, that conclude the Gospel of Matthew and uh, we ask that you would uh, use them uh, to to change our lives, Lord, uh, to shape our lives uh, as we think about what it means to to follow you. Uh, We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Last words uh, tend to stick with people. Bob Marley, the reggae musician, is is reported to have said, uh, his last words were, Money can't buy life, uh, right before he died. Winston Churchill is is reported to have said, I'm bored with it all. Uh, These words are are remembered by by many people all these years later. But it's not just famous people's words that we remember. We remember words that end particular books that we like. Uh, We remember the last words of advice we're given before we do something important, uh, before we sit an exam or, or go for our driver's license or start some sort of new adventure in life. We all remember last words. And this morning we're thinking on some of the the last recorded words of Jesus, arguably the the most important last words ever spoken. We're doing something of a one-off sermon this morning, although really it carries on uh, from the death and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, which we have been looking at over Easter. This passage, this passage is often referred to as the Great Commission, and it comes at a great time for us as a church, I think. Uh, not only have we just reflected on, on the message of Easter, but we're also slowly coming out of a season where our lives and our ministries have been somewhat curtailed. And so coming back to Jesus' final words that, that Matthew recorded for us in this gospel uh, seems like a, a great thing to do because these are words that remind us of God's mission in this world. A mission that he will bring about, uh, but a mission that he invites his people to join him in. Uh, these are the words that would inspire the, the ministry of the disciples, uh, as we see in the, in the later books of the New Testament, uh, such as the book of Acts, uh, that would 
be the beginning of the early church as people came to faith and the number of believers continued to grow. And as Jesus appears to the disciples at this mountain in Galilee, I can't help but wonder what was going through their minds, what they, what they felt at that time. There's a story of a Brazilian man named Gilberto, I won't bother trying to pronounce his last name, who one day came home to find uh, his family in the middle of his own funeral. Uh, it turns out a man who he had worked with and who, who looked very similar to him had, had died and was identified at the morgue as being Gilberto. And at the funeral, people got quite a shock when they, when they saw him walk in and, and just stand there. Some, some were so terrified that they fled. Now, it's a, it's a very different situation, but remember, Jesus was dead, and now he's there with them. I imagine there would have been shock among the disciples, perhaps some sort of nervous excitement. They were clearly in awe because what they do next is they worship him. Uh, perhaps they were, they were overwhelmed by the whole situation. Uh, Matthew tells us that, that some of them doubted. They had these feelings of, of hesitation as they saw Jesus face to face once again. They recognize him as their Lord, but some are still clearly struggling to grasp how their friend, who they saw lifeless, who they know was buried, how he now stands before them. This is unprecedented. It's, it's unheard of. And when we remember the, the strangeness of what's just happened, it helps us to understand their response. Now, verses 18 to 20 contain Jesus' final words to them, and it's a message that's made up by four parts. Uh, there's the reality, the command, the means, and the promise. So let's begin with the reality, and it's, it's there in verse 18. All authority on, in heaven and on earth has been given to me. I'm guessing these words would have given the disciples some, some peace of mind uh, and comfort in light of their initial doubt and hesitation. They know the voice of their master. And as he speaks, I'm sure it strengthens them. Uh, if you've ever tried to call a dog that, that doesn't belong to you, usually you get no response, or, or at least I don't get a response uh, when I try it. But, but when the owner calls it, the dog kind of perks up. There's nothing like the comfort and reassurance that comes from hearing the voice of someone you trust uh, in times of uncertainty. But it's not just Jesus' voice that would have comforted them. His message points to the fulfillment of prophecy from, from one of the Old Testament books, uh, Daniel. Daniel 7 says, speaking about uh, the Son of Man, it says, He was given all authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. See, by revealing uh, he now has all authority, Jesus shows himself to be this son of man, the, the promised one. And this is an important reality for the 11 disciples to know. And it's important for us to remember as well. The risen Jesus has been given this authority over all things by God. So that's part one, and, and that's why he's able to then give this command in verse 19. This is, this is part two of Jesus' final words. And the command itself is to make disciples. Make disciples. Sometimes people think uh, the main thing is go. Going is, is, is a part of it, but the emphasis is, uh, in Jesus' words is on the disciple making. 
Now, what exactly is a disciple? Uh, when we hear the word disciple, we, we probably think of these 12 uh, men, or now 11, who, who Jesus chose and, and taught and who followed him so closely. But being a disciple isn't limited to them. And it isn't just following someone around. Uh, it's more than that. They are learners. They, they listened and they put into practice what they're taught. So the command to the disciples is to make disciples, to make followers who will listen and learn from the Lord Jesus. So that's the command. Uh, part three is the means. How do they do it? And there are three ways. Firstly, they, they go. Jesus sends them out. And, he, and notice he sends them to all nations, not just to the Jewish people, to the Gentiles as well, which, which was a big change in their thinking. It's always been God's plan that people from every nation would come to believe in him. In the Old Testament, God's people were supposed to live in, in such a godly way that Gentiles, that's, that's people who aren't Jewish, would, would come and want to join the people of God. Now, when they looked at the Israelites, they would see how great God was. But Israel's sin meant it was fairly unsuccessful. Now Jesus sends his disciples to proclaim the message directly to the Gentiles as well. So they are to go. The second way they do it is by baptizing the disciples in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And it's interesting that Jesus includes baptism here because the only other time it's mentioned in Matthew's Gospel was when John baptized Jesus back in chapter 3. Uh, I think baptism here is a sign of the new disciple identifying with Jesus and, and with his people as well. I think that's why Jesus includes those words. Now the third way they do it is there in verse 20. Teaching them to obey all I have commanded you. And when it comes to uh, teaching all that Jesus commanded, uh, we see throughout the Bible what, what he did, uh, what he commanded. Uh, he says things like, deny yourself and, and follow me. Uh, he tells them to hate sin, but also to love holiness, to love the, the people of God despite all their imperfections, to hope for the future glory that awaits in heaven while enduring difficulties in this life. You and I both know that there could be much more said. Uh, Jesus' commands impact all areas of life. Now some of you will have grown up in church, and, and like me, you may have heard that to become a follower of Jesus, you merely have to say uh, something that's called a sinner's prayer or, or something along those lines. And there's nothing wrong with that, but the way we see being a disciple here, it's much more than merely saying a prayer and, and carrying on living an unchanged life. It's more than just turning up to church once a week. A disciple is someone who is transformed there's an ongoing aspect to it of being taught and obeying what you were taught. There's a growth in godliness over time. Church is just one day a week out of seven, but being a disciple is something that we are every day of the week. That's not to say that we'll be perfect. Uh, you'll remember that even Jesus' disciples were a, a long-term project. He didn't just give them more knowledge. He, he walked with them through life. He invested time in them. They got to learn from him by not only listening to what he taught, but observing the way that he lived. He ate with them. He, he prayed with them. He shared his life with them. And now they are to go out with the, the message of the gospel, this good news, 
and begin this task of, of making disciples. And it's a big step that Jesus asks them to take. Uh, they've mostly been following him. He, he's, been, he's involved them in, in some of the ministry he's been doing. But now there's a change that's taking place. It's almost a passing of the baton. They're going to be the main ones proclaiming. They're going to be the ones teaching, uh, baptizing, going. They won't have Jesus physically with them as this kind of safety net uh, when they make mistakes. It's a little bit like when a, a kid learns to ride a bike. Uh, to start with, you can imagine a, a parent sort of holding the kid and, and helping them to stay balanced. But over time, they'll, they'll slip, step back slightly. They're, they're still going to be there with them, encouraging them, but in a slightly different way. There's a change that's taking place. And it's a bit like that here as Jesus speaks for the last time. And I imagine they might have been daunted when they heard these final words of Jesus to them. Already some were hesitant. Uh, imagine how they felt when they, they heard this task that Jesus lays out before them. Well, before uh, they have a chance to, to let any of their worries keep them from this task, Jesus has one final thing to say. The fourth and, and final part of Jesus' last words is the promise. Uh, the end of verse 20. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Isn't it characteristic of, of Jesus to finish with words like this of assurance? You might think it's a, a, word, a weird thing that he says because he is about to leave them. Uh, but of course God is going to send them the Holy Spirit. They will have the Spirit of God in them as they go out and as they take part in God's mission. As we uh, reflect on, on all of these verses, thousands of years later, and as we think about the Great Commission, uh, we know that God's got this plan to, to call people from, from all nations to himself, but we realize that this work is not complete. There are still out, uh, people out there who have never heard the good news of the gospel, people who don't know any Christians. Uh, it's certainly the case in some countries overseas. It's probably increasingly the case here in New Zealand. And so this command to make disciples is still there. And it falls on God's people today. And I think most of us are happy to accept that. But I can't help but feel that the church in as a whole, often sees this as, as the work of a few, the work of perhaps missionaries. Uh, and I don't think that's wrong per se, but it's not just the work of missionaries. Some of us go to particular places, perhaps overseas. For, other, for others of us, going can involve our, our local community, our, our neighbours, our colleagues, people we, we know with similar hobbies. Uh, it could even involve people that we live with. The work of, of making disciples is not over. And the picture in this passage is, is disciple-making disciples. Disciples who, make, who go on to make other disciples. Uh, most of us will have been discipled in some way, and I hope that we're, we're all continuing to be discipled in some way. Discipleship, as we see with Jesus, is an, is an all-of-life thing. We continue to learn from the Lord Jesus, uh, but I also hope that we see the need to disciple others, to walk us alongside them intentionally, to show others what the Christian faith is about. I think a number of us are a lot better at, at helping disciples than we are at making disciples. 
I know I see that in myself when I think about these words of Jesus. And perhaps that's why people sometimes refer to it as the great omission rather than the great commission. I think there are a few reasons why we struggle. Some of us feel quite inadequate for the task. Perhaps we're barely getting by ourselves and the thought of making disciples is just not on our minds. For others of us, maybe we feel a little bit apathetic. We're not against the idea of it, but we're just not excited about it ourselves. We're happy for others to get excited about it, but not just us. But just not us. But I think that the biggest thing that stops us from this task is actually fear. Proverbs 29 tells us that fear of other people will prove to be a snare. Fear of other people will prove to be a snare. And it's often a a fear that causes us to be hesitant or to doubt our own place in disciple-making. What do I say? What will they think of me? What if it's going to ruin our friendship? We fear what others uh, will think. We fear what others will say. But amidst our feelings of inadequacy and, and apathy and fear, we're reminded of God's words. Uh, I don't think it's a coincidence that, that after everything that has taken place in, in Matthew's Gospel, after all that Jesus has done in the lives of the disciples and in the lives of the people that they've encountered, that the last recorded response of, of some of the disciples in Matthew's Gospel was one of doubt. Uh, I also don't think it's a co- coincidence that Jesus knows what to say to the disciples in response uh, to those who have some doubt. He has authority, so he commands them to make disciples. He, he tells them how, and he promises to be with them. Well, did these last words work? Uh, during the week, we had our service at the Windsor Care Retirement Home, and we look at uh, the book of Acts, chapter 2. And in it, uh, Peter, one of these 11 disciples, is boldly proclaiming what he witnessed of Jesus. And he calls the people to repent and be baptized. And 3,000 people come to faith. 3,000 people begin this journey as disciples of Jesus. I always imagine that Peter might have been among those disciples who who doubted. (coughs) Uh, And whether he was or not, you see the impact that these words had on him. And even on the other disciples. God knows the weight of the task that he has set before his people. He knows the burden that he's asked us to bear. Uh, Look again at those beautifully reassuring words in verse 20. Surely I am with you always, to the very end of the age. Notice Jesus doesn't say, as long as you live. He says, to the very end of the age. See, God plans to to be with his people in this task uh, until it is finished, until the mission is complete. It makes sense that this this gospel doesn't finish uh, with the resurrection of Jesus, but the need to go out and tell others about the resurrection of Jesus. In life, we hear incredible news, and we love to be the ones to tell incredible news to others. We like to be the bearer of good news. Tell others about the great restaurant that's just opened up, or, or the couple at church who recently got married, or... Uh, the magnificent uh, musical that's coming to town or or the deal that's now on at your favourite shop. The resurrection has has just happened 
arguably the most important event in history. So you can see why others need to be told about it. And we have that, that privilege now to call people to repentance and to belief in Jesus, to, to baptise them, to teach them. We might feel weak, uh, we might feel fearful, but remember he is with us. And remember this is God's mission. Jesus has authority and has instructed us on, on what to do. And surely as we learn to obey, we'll share in this joy uh, that comes as people come to know and trust in him. Now what does that look like for you? Are you still working out where, where God is using you to make disciples? Is fear or inadequacy something that you're dealing with? Why not, as a starting place, uh, try involving others in your lives? Not just on a Sunday. Be intentional about the, the way you spend time with others, both, both Christians and, and non-Christians as well. If we look at Jesus' life, uh, we see he spent time with the disciples, but he also spent time with non-believers. Are we neglecting either of, of those two areas in, in our own lives? Let's keep looking at Jesus, uh, asking the one who is with us for help. Uh, let me pray that we would do that. Father, we thank you so much uh, for your work in calling people to yourself. And Father, we pray that you would help us as we uh, seek to disciple others uh, and as we continue to be discipled ourselves. Father, please would you take away our, our feelings of fear and, and inadequacy uh, because we know that you are the one with authority uh, and you've given us authority to uh, proclaim who you are. Father, help us as we consider what that looks like in, in each of our lives. Uh, please would you continue to use us despite our weakness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.